evoking magic of the everyday wonderment of life and death, one bitch at a time. Step inside, bewitch seance. Episode La Muerte, Parte 2. Hola, Bruja. How are you? Chilling. My son's coming down and yours is already hella up for a while, oh. right? It's like 11? Yeah. Okay, sweet. Thank you so much for, I'm really appreciating the time that, yeah, that you've made. Because um, I know your tongue is healing. Yeah. So okay. I really appreciate you being able to like talk with me today. The question itself is, how has your relationship with death evolved? Mm. Um, and that's such a fucking broad question. So to sort of narrow it down to something. Um, it I talk about the process of the physical death of loved ones, essentially serving their purpose. Sure. Where they play the death midwife and we play the death doula so the midwife being the physical aspect the one that is transitioning into something else that is leaving this body and the death doula which would be the people that are holding space for that person to go through their transition um you know by making them more comfortable by making them lunch by making them feel loved and and what does that look like um because a lot of people tend to have in the version when it comes to death and also when it comes to holding space for somebody that we love that is going through the process of death. Many people are like, oh, I, I don't want to be around that or like, I don't know how to space hold space for that. So yeah. a lot of like fear is sort of um, put around the idea of even like going through the process of, of a death with somebody. Mm-hmm. Once that person uh, transitions. Yeah. They have gone and we are still here left. We're we're left here to process what that death was for us. Mm-hmm. And um it's it, it's something that's not talked about a lot either. You know, we have we have grieving circles and we have pro- we have like groups that we can meet up with, but it's very kind of secluded outside of it actually being a conversation yeah. in in community and um, something that we're talking about and something that I find to be very helpful has been the process of, and you're familiar with these, is death parties. Yeah. Um, because before our, you know, big death, we have small deaths in between. And so those deaths serve either, those death parties serve either as like a part of, um, a loss that we have experienced mm-hmm. from a loved one um, that has passed or also the death parties of seasons and transitions that we're moving through in our own lives and I know that you're very familiar with death parties as well and mm-hmm. I think death takes us back to our rooted weird in, in a way that we can't begin to fully understand and it's, a, it's an ongoing journey and um, I really do feel like the are the people that love us the most allow us to, they light the way, essentially. They light the way for us to continue that curiosity and that relationship with death. Mm. And with um, your grandmother mm-hmm. right now, I feel like you are, 
you are her death doula and she's your your death midwife as she's going through this transition in her own life and i'm really curious to know how your relationship with death has evolved so i feel very grateful to have this opportunity to be here um like um i was reminded recently about like um the importance of acknowledging that binaries are complete bullshit um and that like the idea of like a situation can be both incredible and horrible <laughs> at the same time or um <clears throat> like you can experience great sadness and joy simultaneously or depression and um and excitement or joy um and all these things and i guess like my current circumstances um of being of living with my family um are are like a great example of that where it's such an incredible gift and i feel i truly feel so grateful and at the same time it's incredibly difficult and mm -hmm. um there's like a certain amount of guilt around even saying that because there is so much gratitude and i think that it's difficult to communicate that like this is very hard for me while also com like while also communicating i'm so glad that i'm here um and one of you know these incredible gifts and simultaneously incredible struggles of the circumstance is that um you know i'm i'm here and it's my mother and my father and my grandmother and um my my um <clears throat> my grandmother's 89 and she um has neuropathy and all of these different whatever like insert a million uh western medicine labels here um like diagnoses but um and then like um observing all the things that she's struggling with that are that are very tangible like physical pain and um like deterioration and um you know some of the memory stuff but then but then on top of it there's this whole other level of like coping with her daughter's suicide that happened five years ago and she's never fully processed that and i feel like she's been very much dying since then I mean, my mother likes to say all the time, like, we're all dying, like it's to kind of lighten the idea of because my grandmother consistently talks about the fact that she's dying, but she's been saying it for years. And so it's turned into this sort of confusing, like, boy that cries wolf, or boy who cried wolf um, thing, where, I mean, she clearly is, but like, she could be dying for another 10 years, or she could die today and we have no fucking clue. And the way that it's being dealt with in this home 
I know that everyone's like absolutely doing the best they can. Um, but simultaneously, my mother is coping in her way um, with her mm. sister's suicide and with her life and with taking being like a full-time caregiver for her mother. Um, and so I feel so grateful that the world, like, you know, I know it's weird to say because like there was so much pain for me as well as like the rest of the world um, in the way that the world stopped last year. But it also like forced this slowdown that I think was so necessary. Um, and, you know, I say that carefully understanding that again, like the binary is bullshit and like simultaneously, like this is horrendous. And also we needed this slowdown so badly and there will, and, and actually like, I fear that the less people appreciate that and the less people take away from and like take the time to learn from this forced slowdown, then we will have more of the horrendous. So I wanted to be close to my family while everyone was struggling with this and while I was struggling um, and then to watch, it's like coming into someone else's home and a home that used to be my home, but very much was not my home anymore. Um, and we have different, like we all love each other very much, but we have different ways of viewing the world and all these things. So something as huge as like the end, the ending chapter of my grandmother's life, like we all have very different takes on like what this should look like. And my grandmother herself is both simultaneously, both this incredibly wise, like witch, and also this incredibly close-minded, like trapped in the body of, I would say, <laughs> this incredibly close-minded white woman who like, grew up in a very close-minded home in so many ways, not in all ways, but in, in many ways. And so she's like dying as she's watching the world waken, like awaken to the things that she was very much sheltered from her whole life. And each of those things is like, I'm watching her wake up to it. I'm watching her like be made to feel so uncomfortable by it. And then I'm also watching her like, like both uh, like be reborn with it and also die more because of it. She's like sharp as a tack. And then she's also so confused. Like she doesn't know, she knows like who we all are, but then she doesn't know our relationship. So she gets very confused. She thinks my mother is her mother and it's her daughter, but she's taking care of her. So she gets confused and then she just thinks I'm this like magical fairy who just appeared and I'm just here and I'm nice to everyone. And it's so unfair to my mother in so many ways because my mother's been here like doing all the hard work full time. And then I showed up and I'm like glad that I'm able to relieve some of the burden, but I know that my mother is like doing all this other stuff. And as much as I, grieve the loss of my aunt that was her sister that was her baby sister that was her only sibling and everyone's still processing her 
her choosing to leave, you know, mm. and nobody got to be her death doula. Like none of us got to be there. Um, and so it's very complicated. And I would say that, yeah, my, my relationship to death has evolved greatly, but I also want to caution like myself, uh, or just be wary of like, I don't want to in any way, shape or form communicate, uh, or, or imply that, that I know anything about death because I, I don't, um, and I, I was just going to say, cause you talked about the people who like, like fear it and avoid it, like don't want to be anywhere near it. And I would say that I know a lot of people and a lot of people in my family, not living here necessarily, mm -hmm. but like my brothers and like, there is a certain amount of avoidance of the intimacy of death. Um, mm -hmm. I do see that in the household. I also see that extended and I also see that in many, many people in my life. So I have a lot of fear around death, but I, my, I have the opposite reaction though. My, my fear of death is not an avoidance. It's like to micromanage and to delve in and like, and like try to like, it's, it, I guess it, in its own way, it's an avoidance, but like, I want to be around all the time. And I want to like, tell people to like, do like exactly what to do to make this as like, not to avoid it, not to say that it shouldn't happen, but like, let's avoid unneeded suffering. Let's avoid, you know, regret at the end of this and which all like might sound like a good thing, but I will go out of my mind and drive everyone else fucking crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> trying to communicate like, we need to talk about this differently or we need to like hold space better or we need to, you know, and not all the time, but I have these moments of like, well, why, why don't we all, you know, eat this way or what, you know, she's taking too many medications or, you know, we need to listen to her or like she, she sees things a lot. She sees things in the house. She sees people. She sees um, dead people walking around the house and she sees writing on the walls and she sees creatures and she sees um, her mother sometimes. And she sees um, my aunt a lot as a little girl or as a baby. She, she wakes up in the night and she's wandering the halls looking for the baby. Um, and that'll happen like consistently constantly and then all of a sudden abruptly that'll stop and like none of that'll happen for a month or so and then all of a sudden it's again and it's consistent and you know I'm like I want to sit down and have like long conversations with her about it and everyone else is like let's explain this away like like okay like she's talking to someone in the other room that's not there and it's like okay well then this must be a hallucination. It must be a result of too much medication. Let's call the doctor. The doctor switches her medication. The doctor tells her to take less of a medication or whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm not saying that the insane amount of medication that she's on um, is not contributing to X, Y, or Z. But the idea that we cannot hold space for anything beyond what makes people like immediately able to like wrap their head around like and and mm -hmm. keeping everyone comfortable um in that way 
is frustrating to me and it's not how I process things and it's not what I believe, but I'm also trying to respect the fact that that's what other people are like, how other people feel comfortable. And it's interesting because my grandmother's always been to an extent, one of those people who feels much more comfortable, like having like literal tangible this and that. But now that she's the one who's seeing all of this and she's like, they don't believe me. It's not a dream. I'm not making it up. It's very real. Like the baby was here. I see him. He's standing in the corner. I see my mother. She's sitting on the bed. There's something on the floor. There's writing on the wall. Like, like the walls are sweating or like where there's so many things that she sees. And it's not even like she, if she's like terrified all the time, I understand like wanting to calm her down, but rarely is it something that scares her. It's usually just that it's there and she wants us to see it too. And mm-hmm. I want to see it too. And I've like, you know, when everyone's saying like, oh, it's not, you know, it's not real. It's not, um, you know, it's just your mind or it's just your medication or it's just, you know, whatever. And, and, and I, I see that my mom is trying where she's like, okay, well, sometimes people see auras or sometimes people like have visions or whatever, but but then meanwhile, she's like calling the doctor and it's like, what the fuck's wrong with my mom? Like there's this, like she's broken. And, and I, it's, I see her torn between worlds too. Like everyone's just really trying to do the best they can. Um, but, but I see my grandmother struggling because on the one hand, she's like, she's like the baby's here in the bed with me and no one else can see the baby. And then at the same time, I'll talk to her about, you know, something happening in the world and she'll have this very like narrow-minded view about it. And I'm like, grandma, you have an invisible baby next to you and I'm, I'm holding space for you with that. So can you hold space for me, like, or with me about whatever, whatever in the world? And, and she's softened to certain things, especially when you put certain things into perspective. Um, but she was definitely raised like to think that, you know, um, anything that's really upsetting, you shouldn't think about too much. You should make it like it should go away. Mm. And if you can't do anything about it, especially like, don't think about it. And to an extent, you know, obviously we, we live in a time where we like have, um, way too much information at our fingertips. And while the increase in awareness in, in a certain way is incredibly beneficial, I recently had someone say to me, um, as I was dealing with my own like anxiety and panic attacks, um, humans are not, we're not wired to be, um, helpless bystanders. Like we need to be able to do something about things. And so when we have all this information, and we're just constantly bombarding our systems with the terror of the world, but it's nothing we can do anything about, or like, you know, we can't do anything about a lot of it, um, or we can't do much, Mm -hmm. or we don't know what to do. Um, It's very overwhelming. So to a degree, I like uh, appreciate, but like, also she is the generation of like people with their heads in the sand. Um, And now like we're in so much of the circumstances we're in because of that mentality 
of just like, we just want everything to be, you know, like post-depression, post the war, like, let's just make everything as comfortable as possible. But like, avoid thinking about the people who are consistently suffering. And anyway, whole other thing. But, but I mean, I think that it, it ties back into the death thing, because it's like, once you get to this stuff, it's like, well, the uncomfortable is unavoidable. Like the things that we, the fear, um, or the, you know, the inevitable, not the fear, but like the inevitable, um, you know, we we can continue to not focus on it, not think about it, pretend like it's not happening or just like, oh yeah, that's going to happen someday, but let's not focus too much on it. Um, And I think there's a balance there of like, yeah, let's not dwell on like, oh my God, you're dying. And she gets into that sometimes. She goes into these like depressive states where she's very like, I I say she turns into, um, my grandmother is like a perfect embodiment of like every Tennessee Williams leading lady on the brink. Like she is Blanche Dubois and she's like so dramatic when she goes to these places of like, I'm dying, please don't forget me. I won't, I'm, I'm probably not gonna make it through the night. And I'm like, why? Why are, what, since when? Like, why are you not gonna make it through? And she's just like, I just, I probably won't see, I'll be like, good night grandma, I'll see you in the morning. She'll be like, maybe, probably not. And I'm like, oh my God, woman. But, but then <laughs> sometimes she's truly having these, you know, these moments where she's in such, she's she's either in such pain or she's just actually not here she's somewhere else and it's been such an incredible thing to get to witness that my perspective on death just keeps changing and what i what i continue to like work towards is more curiosity and less thinking i have any fucking control um, and just trying to be present. I think that death brings up so many mm-hmm. different facets, mm-hmm. so many sensations, so many things. Um, conversation that could, it's, I mean, it's endless. You can go on and on about all of the things that it presents. I think it takes a lot of fucking ovaries to get on while you are still going through the process of you know, of being with somebody that you love dearly. Mm. And I just, I wanted to say thank you because there's an ability of you being able to anchor and hold your own and also feel deeply like the going through the process of like the loss physically of Mm. someone. And uh, something that I find really interesting sort of the, and like the comparison that I feel the thread between us two is this like um when when my mom was dying I was also going through the process of my own death Mm. party which sort of felt like a a clusterfuck of like juggling the the ins and outs of like you say you know the day-to-day where um you have to take into consideration like everything around this person and like you said, you know, sort of stepping into the space where your mom has been handling it for a really long time and just how it really takes over um, a space and particularly when it's not like talked about because it brings up so much in the space and like the people that are caring 
for this person that it's like uh, where do we even start like where do we even start with the conversation sort of about like what this is and what it's bringing up for us which is again I think really part of like you said really beautifully put like the intimate process Mm. of death um it's a very intimate and also very like integral part where you're facing it with someone and at the same time you're totally facing it alone and I think it's the beautiful paradox of life is that we're constantly we're experiencing it all together but our own our own personal experience is so subjective and so intimate curious to know what the juggling has been like for you alongside your death your death party because um it it, for me like the this winter death Mm -hmm. party has been a slow down of of my own life that has been in constant movement um but during the time that my mom was dying that death party was a process of letting go of a lot of the things that I had in mind of where my life was Mm -hmm. going and how it took a completely different trajectory. And I really felt that her death was a catalyst to further, further that path um, in a way. And I feel like for you, you were in the process of, of a death party Mm -hmm. as well. um, BC. (laughs) Yeah. And, and how that's kind of really launched off. And now you're in this space of balancing. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I was so coming out of a very dark space and like coming into like all of this light and connection and community after I'd been very solitary um, for um, not consistently, but for a lot of the, the three years leading up to 2020 um and as I was sort of emerging from that and then you know left New York what I thought would be temporarily um to come here and and was with family and then shooting a film with my brothers and some of my best friends and then met um met a man who I became very close to um romantically and then went straight from this insane like filming of the first feature film I've ever been in to like, you know, five seconds of sleep after wrapping an overnight, you know, 12 hour shoot or whatever. And then on a plane across the world to be in the rainforest with you and all these incredible people. And I was just like, wow, I've ne- I, it's been so long since I felt this connected and this safe I was very overwhelmed I think you said that at one point that you felt like you you noticed when I was in when we were in Sumatra that that I was experiencing a certain amount of overwhelm and that you kind of allowed me to have my space to do that which I appreciated um and yeah that definitely was true but it's so funny because anytime like I find myself like daydreaming or like, like do like meditating, and then my brain starts to wander, or whatever. Like whenever I go to like my happy or safe place, it's it's usually Sumatra. It's usually or or it's like with those people. It's with you. It's with you know. It's like this time of connection or or you know like do, or cre- creating like theater together with people and 
And all of a sudden it was like, I had just like all that had just come back into my life. And I was, I was really resisting the death party of like letting go of certain expectations of what life was going to look like, what my life was going to be. And as I was sort of processing that and like opening up to this new idea of what it might be, then, you know, the whole world shut down. And then it was like, actually, like, you don't know shit. Like, nobody knows shit. <laughs> like, nothing is going to be like even what you had started to open yourself up to what it might be. Like, nothing is <laughs> like tangible, nothing, you know, you have no grasp on ev on anything. And I just like, you know, spent mm. a couple weeks in bed or whatever. And, um, and had to give up my apartment in New York and all the things. Think about your mom a lot. I think about you and your mom and I think about most of my closest friends um, have lost their mother. I, I feel like I've been in a constant state of fear of that. Um, and, and then I feel so selfish because I'm like, well, you, you didn't, you haven't, she's here. You actually are living with her right now. It'll, it'll be so painful when my grandmother goes, but we're all very aware that like she's in that last chapter and whether it's tomorrow or in 10 years, like it is this last chap chapter probably won't be 10 years, but we don't know. Um, but we're like all, you know, we'll never be ready for it, but we're ready for it. But to have seen you lose your mother at the age that she was, that you were, that we were. Um, and my best friend, Sarah and Michael, I was at all of those, you know, like funerals and my best friend when I was eight years old lost his dad and I remember being at the funeral when I was eight and being so confused and I just could not wrap my head around what had happened we were eight you know and his dad just mm -hmm. died not only did he die he died of like a heroin overdose and I like there was nothing about that situation that my eight-year-old brain could process and I just remember looking at Mikey my best friend and I couldn't understand why he wasn't crying. I was like, I think he's supposed to be crying. And he wasn't. And I remember from all three of the funerals, um, once I was older, um, uh, your mother's, Michael's mother's, and Sarah's mother's, and watching you all. Like, I, my eyes were glued to you almost the entire funeral. My eyes were glued to Sarah, glued to Michael. And I just was like, how are they processing this? Like, how is their body, hand how are they standing? How are they here? How do they get dressed? Like, and I, I've never been able to understand. And so it's so funny because when you asked me to do this, this, um, have this conversation with you um my simultaneous <laughs> thoughts were um why like i have no idea what to say uh yeah oh my god absolutely yes please um i think i've learned a lot about what i feel are less helpful ways maybe to process 
um, death, whether it be something like a transition in your life or it be um, the loss of a loved one um, or even the loss of a loved one who's still here but has chosen not to be in your life anymore or you've chosen not to be in their life anymore, which is also a death. Um, mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that I've learned is, is just that the avoidance of the grief, the avoidance of the pain um, is probably the least helpful thing. Um, although it might make things feel more comfortable in the moment. And of course, like, like I said, with watching you and Sarah and Michael and Mikey, I'm sure there are moments of like, I can't feel this all at once. Your leg gets cut off. You don't feel all of that pain. Like your body goes into shock and that's to protect you from literally dying or going out of your mind. Um, so obviously you can't feel all of it all at once. But um, I thought it was really interesting that like leading up to us having this conversation today, um, I've been having a difficult time sleeping without some sort of noise. Um, and sometimes white noise is perfectly sufficient. And sometimes um, like I, I need it to be like people, like I need to feel like I'm not alone. So if I don't have someone sleeping next to me at night, um, if I hear like something familiar, something conversational. So I'll put on either um, like a comedy special that I've watched before and like, like Louis CK will lull me to sleep or whatever. Um, which might sound so weird, <laughs> yeah. but it works for me. Um, or like mm -hmm. interviews or um, not interviews, sometimes interviews, but like um, lectures from really wise people that I've watched before. I don't know what I fell asleep to, but I woke up and, and I was like scrolling through things and put, and there was this lecture, but for whatever reason, I was like, that's the one. And I just clicked on it and then fell asleep. And then I woke up right as he was quoting the Tibetan book of the living and dying. But, but it is what you're talking about. Okay. It's the Tibetan book of the dead. And, um, and the specific quote was, I fucking wrote it down. And why can't I, oh, 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 here it is. Um, I woke up and he, he said, uh, so whatever you do, don't shut off your pain, accept your pain and remain vulnerable. And um, there was more to it. That's what I wrote down. Again, it's not to tell anyone because um, I'm not in any way, shape or form, any kind of <laughs> authority on uh, or even like a wise person, I don't think, when it comes to this topic. Um, I think that I, I'm still so fearful and I'm still so, um, so much of a student of death. Um, but, but that's one thing that I feel very, very confident about is that the pushing away the pain exclusively you know, not, not momentarily, not, you know, not taking it in doses, but like pushing it away on, on the, on the, on a daily basis. It's like when we throw away trash, right? Like where's away? Where does it go? It goes in the fucking ocean. Like, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't go away, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, same thing with pain. Like, 
you have to grieve. And that's very annoyed with myself because I feel like you've been talking to me about death parties for two years now. And I'm like, and as you were saying, talking about this beginning, I was like, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But I have like no wisdom there. Like I, I have been hearing you and so appreciating being able to talk to you about this while simultaneously feeling like I still don't fucking know how to death party. Like I don't know how to process. Um, and I know that to an extent I have processed um, transition and grief and feels like it's been like this ongoing like years of this death party of just like needing to let go of things, needing to let go of stuff. And now most of my stuff, like I'm living back in my childhood bedroom and I don't have room for a lot of stuff in here. I have too much stuff in here that I can't have in here, but like the letting go of things, the letting go of it's like, but this is something I have control over. I have a thing. I have stuff. I have my clothing. I have these little things or pictures or whatever that remind me of times when I didn't feel like I'm dying <laughs> all the time. You know, like when like stuff from theater and stuff from previous relationships and previous love and previous loved ones who are no longer here and and all these things. I'm definitely allowing myself as much as I can and as much as I can bring my awareness to whatever pain is around those things and mm -hmm. and I'm letting myself you know like my mother talks about she feels like it's very dangerous to just sit and stew wallow you know in sadness she's like well that's you know you're just gonna die or like you're just gonna like waste away like if you just do that you have to get up and like take a shower and get up and get dressed and you have to this and you have to that and I'm like, do you? Um, so I, I think that there's like a happy in between of, yes, you choose to live. You choose to still try to, do, to try to do the life thing. But I think that you can't do the life thing if you don't process the deaths along the way. Um, and so um, there's this incredible woman named Dr. Libby Weaver um, in New Zealand who talks about um, are we living too short and dying too long um, like when they talk about like the life expectancy is longer though now we've got all these medications and whatever yeah, and yeah. it's like but are <laughs> we living all that time or are we just dying longer um, and I love that because mm -hmm. A little bit uncomfortable with myself saying this but like so lucky to still have my parents but it's also very difficult to watch them dying almost having more difficulty watching them than watching the like true death that i know is happening of my grandmother in this final chapter of her life i, I talked about all the things that are going on with her but then like meanwhile like my parents who are like taking care of everything and like you know dealing with everything are like pushing all of their pain down and I'm watching it fester and I'm watching them drink every night drink themselves to sleep every night not be able to hold a conversation or necessarily walk a straight line at night because they have to numb and they're doing the best they can you know 
I say this so delicately, um, but it's it it is like like a like a long watching of of them like kill themselves, and mm-hmm. I'm like, can we do, can I just like take you to like like get get these people some fucking ayahuasca and like let's just let it the fuck out let's just like feel all the feelings because watching you push it down is so painful watching you not grieve consciously like that's their thought is they are choosing to live they're choosing to like get up every day and take a shower they're choosing to go to the grocery store they're choosing to you know whatever 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 all the logistical things that you're supposed to be doing and like pay their taxes and like let's let's go like life and i'm like we've been in a pandemic for a year now there's not been a single day that my mom didn't put makeup on to go where to go to do what like there's not been a single day where they just like felt mm. their feelings all day for me a big thing that i have to do is not take on everybody else's like i just i need to process because it's interesting that's i think one of the biggest problems and why I'm so grateful to have been able to have conversations with you so much in the past two years, especially in the last, well, yeah, especially in the last two years, um, about the importance of death parties is because even if it hasn't all, I haven't figured it all out yet. I'm, it's like, I'm consistently reminded that sometimes I'm, I'm feeling all my feelings, but sometimes they're not my feelings. Sometimes I'm not like actually having my death party. I'm preemptively having everybody else's for them because I see where they should. Mm -hmm. But then like, I'm the one who's having panic attacks. I'm the one who can't get out of bed sometimes. I need to be more responsible for my own transitions and my own grief without taking on that of everybody else's or, or projecting like what's going to happen with everybody else. Like, and I need to let them like make their own decisions and, and have their own, which is hard, you know, when it's people you really love. Yeah. That's something that I'm definitely consistently um, working on struggling with. And I, I even felt like just in anticipation of this conversation, it highlighted so much for me of like what I was not allowing you and I've talked about this so much of like, we don't have full communities to connect with and to process with and to grieve with and to mourn with. And I think that that um, amplifies or, or um, elongates the process because we're not getting the opportunity to properly move through these deaths. So it's like, we have our families if we're lucky, a few close friends if we're lucky, a partner if you're lucky and or willing to settle down with a person or whatever. Um, and then and then you're supposed to have babies and then that's like, that's your community. If you don't have those things and like, like some people have church and some people, but like even there, it's like how much of you can you really be and express and like, and like solitude is important too, but solitude shouldn't be something that is viewed as like a threat to your other relationships, which I feel very much like if I fully process, which is something I admire in you so much, like seeing like the solitude that you've been able to take 
when you need it. I have so much fear around just doing what I need to do to process my own deaths and my own grief um, without worrying about how it's affecting the people around me and how uncomfortable it's making them because I fear losing those because I'm like, well, I only have, you know, I don't have this whole community that I live in and that I have and that I feel safe in. Like I have had that more so, you know, when I was in theater companies and when I was in school. And recently I've been noticing that where it's like, I can see that everything I feel like I need to do to process things and to move into the next stage of my life is going to make everyone who's physically, literally in my immediate life right now, so uncomfortable. They don't know how to talk to me. <laughs> this weird shit where like I cut the fuck out of my tongue, like six days ago and it forced me to just shut up. Like this is the longest I've talked in six or eight days. Um, I, I was like, well, something needed me to shut the fuck up and like go inside and process some shit. <laughs> and even still, I was like, like addicted to Instagram. And like, I was like, oh, I can't talk to anyone, but I can type. I'm like texting people and I'm this and I'm that. And I'm like, just shut up, just shut up. And then like my like glands got all swollen and I got feverish and I got like all this shit. And I was like, your body is shutting down. It's like, shut up, just stop, just stop. And then you asked me to have this conversation and I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was like, not for anyone else. This is like purely selfishly for me to process my shit. It leaves me in in awe constantly. And I know I say that a lot because it's so true and I wish it wasn't so cliche. Uh, the, yeah, the way that, you look at the world and the way that you process and the way that you contemplate the possibility of and also just how like you said when you were looking at Sarah and Michael and myself is like the observation of the way that somebody takes in an experience and how the beauty of the way that like death opens up the 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 space for you to start thinking about this stuff how your grandma is like opening up the spaces for you to think about this deeper and regardless of because like you said everybody takes it in the way that they take it you know in the same way that we all live our lives in the way that we choose and I feel like death is one of those those things in life where you really see the way that people process the pain um, because it at the end of the day like death serves as a costume for us to be able Mm. to be open about the pain yeah. of the world and the suffering that we feel right that's the beautiful thing about a funeral is is like it gives the allowance for people to openly grieve together regardless of what that grieving is there it's like this door that opens up to allow that like who yeah. that that tsunami to come through essentially and I know that right off the bat, and this is why I just really appreciate your willingness and your fucking courage to step into this because I knew there would be like, <laughs> I I knew there, there'd be possible resistance and kind of like, wait, why? And like, how? And, and it's, it's so much around the ideas of the, how we, how we've talked about it, how we've talked about death parties, how I've seen 
your willingness to step into like the death party and how at the end of the day like you're right we don't know and that's the beauty about being able to contemplate about all of this stuff is sort of these these spirals and these circles that we create of the possibilities of of what something looks like when we lose a loved one um it's absolutely fascinating that that action that happens in all of our lives has so many it's just like this butter butterfly effect where it's like whoa this has implications beyond anything I could begin to think about or imagine and you are somebody that I love talking to death just about and and as we go through our own process of of death parties and the intensity of what it feels like to be human yeah alongside you know being there for one another as we as we grieve as we die as we have our our death parties and our Mm. ceremonies in between again really thank you yeah like I said I think it takes a lot of ovaries to be like yeah let's let's talk about this I don't think a lot of people are open to the idea there's a lot of like uh beating around the bush and I feel grateful to be able to have a conversation about it with you because I think it's something that needs to be talked about more. I mean, I feel like I just trust you implicitly. And so uh, it's a lot easier to say yes to you and to have these conversations with you than it might be to just do this with anybody. But watching you process things and go through multiple deaths and transitions and losses um since we've you know known each other has just been like like you talked about awe and that's I mean that's just how I've felt about you since I've known you and um watching you do life and do death um has been a huge honor in my life and I'm I'm so grateful in a time when I'm you know I am transitioning like the whole world is but like you know just personally like having all these transitions and still trying to process these deaths current previous and future <laughs> we're on the same page about a lot of things and anything that we're not we're very very um open to processing and listening and learning from the other um whereas I feel like yeah everyone who I'm physically in contact with right now um like physically sharing space with um which is mostly like six people um max um we all trigger the fuck out of each other all the time and so it's so <laughs> it's so difficult to to only have people like to be immensely grateful for all of those people but simultaneously to feel like um like the the people who I could best talk to about what I need and what I'm feeling um, are far away. Um, but, and, you know, like few and far between like people. Um, but 
but also I'm just so grateful that, that you exist, like <laughs> that, um, that I'm, that I, that even if you're, you know, really fucking far away and in a different time zone, um, like I still can leave you an hour long voice message <laughs> or, or do is, you know, record a mm -hmm. podcast with you or listen to you, um, you know, get a message from you when I wake up and, and have that be the first thing I listen to in the morning um, or while I'm going on a walk or whatever. It's um, like we've talked about, like technology is such a fucker, but at the same time, so I'm so grateful for <laughs> so much of it um, in this moment right now, you know? Yeah, Bruja, samesies. It's fucking ridiculous, potent magic. And I feel a lot of gratitude for it. And I really, really appreciate your time and your willingness to come on here. Even if you didn't mm. initially know what you wanted to talk about, I just really appreciate your trust and willingness to step into that a lot. And I was curious to know if I do you, right in front of me. I don't know if you have your tarot on you. Sweet. I was wondering if you wanted to close us off with the tarot. I, I've been like, nicknaming yes. this the death deck because um i i told you like Brittany and i do um well this is only our second year doing it but like our annual new year's um tarot readings where we pick a card for every month and then we pick a card for the year um you know for the upcoming year and um both of our but like my reading was just i was like um so who's going to die? What's going to happen? Like, it's just, it was all very seemingly dark. Um, and supposedly there's a lot of cards in this deck that are not very dark, but I have not pulled them. <laughs> I have not pulled them. So I've been um, the heavy deck. Anyway, I'm shuffling as I'm speaking. Um, <laughs> I pulled two cards because I wanted to. Um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure why, but maybe we'll find out right now. Um, should it be three? Does three make more sense? No, maybe not. Oh, okay. So this is funny. So I pulled two and then I just said that. And then I opened the book and a, and a card that I had left in the book fell out. So there's three. Okay. <laughs> so <Great>. definitely three. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um so the first card is the mountain um so it's a this card is um an archetypes card or archetypes deck this this deck is an archetypes deck um and it's by the same author as the animal deck that i have but this is a much darker deck it's a much heavier deck um so the mountain um the mountain stands eternally in our awareness, calling us toward its peak. It stirs up stoic and regal feelings, reminding us of the long line of spirits, sages, sadhus, and gods that made their humble throne within its snowy peaks. Beware though, as the mountain can affect us in two ways. It can inspire us, it, it can inspire and enliven us to rise to new heights and peak experience. Yet, it can also create isolation, competitiveness, and an inflated sense of self. 
standing upon its heights can activate the pursuit. Oh, sorry. Uh, can activate the purest and perfectionist in us, creating separation from those we deem to be below. No matter how high you ascend, remember that it is within the core of the mountain that the gems, minerals, and jewels reside. If you think it's all about going up, you're following the fool's path and missing the miner's magic. Hmm. I like <laughs> the next card is the offering. Mm -hmm. Ah, there you are. The offering, the gift, the present, the sacrifice. Unlike many of the other cards in the deck, the offering carries a clear as day message and a call to action. As you may have guessed, it is time for something to be given and given up for the sake of the bigger picture. If nothing comes to mind immediately, though it's likely that it will, Take time in meditation to consider what must be offered and who is to receive it. It's likely you'll feel attachment and hesitancy. Like everything I own? Yeah, I should give all that up. Okay. Um, all my shit. You're talking about all my <laughs> shit. Thank you. Okay. Um, you'll make excuses, but recognize the link between the word sacrifice and the word sacred. Ooh. One leads to the other. When we offer up something to the greater good, we lighten our load and become more able to serve. Imagine for a moment if you were to offer your whole self unconditionally to the world. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then, of course... The last card was the underworld. Oh, just... <laughs> yeah, it was. The underworld, the nightmare, the ordeal, the bottom. This is no time to mince words. The archetypal territory of the underworld is fraught with nightmares, suffering, and pain. It is the darkest shadow realm, which we try vigilantly to avoid or deny at all cost. Try as we might. The darkness pulls us into the depth through disturbing dream images, unexpected accidents, illness, war, conflict, and ultimately death. Not visiting the underworld or denying its existence altogether is what gives it dangerous power. Traversing its force, its <laughs> force, traversing it forces us to bow humbly to the greater forces that be while summoning the inner strength we previ previously underestimated. Take solace that the underworld sub subsumes everyone from time to time, making us deeper friends, more intimate partners, soldiers of light amid our shady, shadowy times. Facing darkness and choosing light is the most profound calling of all. Yo. <laughs> wow thank you so much for reading that yeah i love playing with you and i'm super i'm just really grateful for some time for us to to talk and play and connect um 
office was really nice. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. I feel a lot of gratitude for being able to process death with you and death party with you and have you there through deaths and and all of it. It's just wow. Like you're the person who mm, opened me up to the idea that it was something other than just something shitty. I'm like, it was, you know, it was just, it wasn't something to just get past. It was something to experience. And um, yeah, that whole, my whole understanding, I feel like so much of my understanding of death or appreciation from death came from a perspective shift that I got very much from you. So, um, so getting to discuss this with you and yeah, just talk and play was really nice. Um, but, but I just wanted to name that cause that's very true. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to continuing yeah, to too. grow in death with you while we're still mm. alive. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Mwah. Until our next spiraling Sunday. Stay fucking weird, bitches.